how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. Ben Schwartz from Parks and Rec and Noel Wells from Master of None star in the Netflix hit Happy Anniversary. Written and directed by Jared Stern, the film highlights a couple on their third anniversary, but they are having second thoughts about proceeding with their relationship. Jared Stern talks about his many writing credits, such as Mr. Popper's Penguins, The Watch, Wreck-It Ralph, The Internship, The Lego Batman Movie, and his new film and directorial debut. In this interview, Stern discusses early mentorships, saying yes to work versus saying no to work, the myth of the one-page, one-minute trick, his morning visualization process, why he wanted to be Steven Spielberg and not Indiana Jones as a kid, and his upcoming animated project for Netflix, Green Eggs and Ham. I've been writing since I was a kid. I tried, I think I first tried writing a play when I was in high school. And, and then when I went to college, I thought that's just a silly thing that you, that you, you know, that's just fun. You couldn't actually do that for a career. So, um, I thought I'll do advertising. That's, uh, that's, you get to write and be creative. And then maybe one day I'll get to write a screenplay. And I interned at an ad agency and, uh, the copywriter who I interned for was great. And he said, hey, don't do this. He said, this is the fallback job. You're going to say, I'm going to write ads, and then at night I'll write a screenplay, and uh, I'm never going to uh, take a shot. And so I did, and I moved to L.A. Um, and, and took a shot. Uh, and uh, I also was performing comedy, and that very quickly taught me that I'm a comedy writer and not performer. <laughs> when I was a little kid, the first movie I remember seeing is Raiders of the Lost Ark, and uh, I have a very strong memory of, of the the end where they open the arc and the faces are all melting and I was scared and my dad covered my eyes and said, don't worry, just don't look at the exact same time that Indy is saying to Marion, just keep your eyes shut. Don't look. And, uh, and I feel like I totally peeked through his fingers and, uh, and I left that movie theater and my dad said, so do you, do you, do you want to be Indiana Jones? And, uh, and I said, no, I want to be Steven Spielberg. And I was, and I was a little kid and, uh, and I thought about that recently with everything that's going on with sort of people seeing, you know, representation. It's like when I was a little Jewish kid, 
I already had a beard even. Uh, and, uh, I was like that, I want to be that guy. And, uh, it was, it was, you know, it wasn't, it was just so clearly a thing that I could do, even though it was an insane dream to have, uh, it was a little bit less insane. So for, you know, between kind of those days and today, I've read some old interviews you've done, and um, I think you had worked as an assistant for a, a pretty disciplined former showrunner who wrote every day. You also kind of got in the room at Disney and Pixar pretty early. What advice do you have for like novice writers, either trying to find that type of mentor or trying to t- find that first type, that type of first job? Sure. Uh, I think about this a lot lately because I have a 23-year-old brother who just graduated from USC studying screenwriting. So I'm constantly trying to help him and not help him too much because he wants to do it on his own. Uh, and he's already much better writer than I am. But um, yeah, one thing is that, uh, so I, I got a job as an assistant to a writer, showrunner, Vic Levin, who's still one of my good friends and, and a mentor. And uh, but, you know, I wouldn't have gotten that job had I not taken another assistant job that honestly I just took because I, I needed a job. I needed money. I moved to L.A. I, I needed to pay the bills. And um, and it wasn't my ideal show business job. I don't think I ever got any connections from it, but um, but it was a job and it was an assistant job. And so that when I got an opportunity for a really good assistant job that could help me with someone who could mentor me, who I could learn from in terms of writing, he would have hired me had I not had that really shitty assistant. It wasn't shitty, by the way. I love the woman I worked for, but just it wasn't what I wanted. But he he knew, oh, you were on a desk. You answered phones for someone. You were organized. He was never going to hire someone for their first job. So I needed to have that first job to get the second job. So sometimes if something doesn't seem ideal, uh, that doesn't mean that it isn't helping you uh, in some way. Also, that was a great job because it let me write. I wrote all my first spec scripts while I was doing that job because it wasn't so intense that I couldn't have time in my spare time to write. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And if your perspective have changed, like for example, I listen to a lot of podcasts and uh, it seems like the general advice is for young people to say yes to everything. And when you get to a point, you realize you have to start saying no to almost everything. Have you kind of experienced that as well? I mean, it's always balance. You know, I, I think it's great to know yourself and to know what, your strengths are and, and, and have a, 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 an idea, a strong path of what you want to do. And yet at the same time, you ha- have to also be able to keep yourself open and know that you're going to get little sidetracks and there's going to be things that aren't perfect, but you got to survive and you've got to move to the next thing. So you constantly have to be weighing and, and there's no right answer. You know, you might, some people uh, that I know are writers who worked as an agency assistant and that's an intense job and it takes up all of your time. And then it's really tough, but you have to be super disciplined to find time on weekends or early mornings to write. I don't know that one of those jobs would have been right for me, but I've seen it work really well for people where they're able to still write and have that job and make amazing connections and contacts through having been in an agency. Um, so I think it's different for each, each person. Um, and then in terms of even when, when you're, when you're getting jobs and you start working, I think I said a yes to a lot of things because when you're starting, you're, you, you want whatever job you can get. And, uh, and yet if you say yes to the wrong thing, it could damage your career in the future. So you're always having to weigh stuff, but in general, for me, it's worked for me to stay open, to, to follow kind of the breaks that I got. And then the further I got, the more I was able to then be in control of my own destiny a little bit. So you've worked on a lot of films, uh, like Mr. Popper's Penguins, The Watch, The Internship, Wreck-It Ralph, Lego Batman, 
Um, can you kind of just like pick one or two of these and tell us the difference between, you know, you bringing a, a story or a pitch to someone and writing it out or were they all studio movies? How did those kind of work out? Or are there two examples you can talk about? I mean, let me think. Uh, I mean, the, the internship was an idea that Vince Vaughn had. He'd actually written an early draft of a very different kind of story, but with that concept. Um, and I came onto that and uh, sort of had my ideas and my take of which way I would go and then sat with him and worked on the, and the director and worked on developing the concepts and then went off and wrote, wrote the script on my own. Um, uh, you know, I've come in all different stuff. I've, you know, uh, the watch is something where um, the studio executive had a very basic idea. He knew he wanted to do a movie about a neighborhood watch and there were and that a local you know, neighborhood watch and, and aliens show up and they're the only ones who can fight it. And that was it. That was the whole concept. And so I had to pitch a whole take characters, what the story was about. Um, and uh, so, so that was that one. Uh, and then it ended up getting rewritten uh, by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Uh, so uh, into a very different movie. Uh, so that's that one. What were the other ones you asked? I mean, uh, Lego Batman, I came on, you know, I've been working as a sort of in a more producerial, uh, role on that movie for a couple of years. And then I came on with about a year to go. Uh, um, so the movie was pretty far along and that, that was an animation equivalent of being on set. Like it was in it, it was being made and we worked on it for the last year uh, refining and refining and refining and shaping it and shaping the story. I've read an interview that you did where you kind of discuss letting your close friends or family read the script after it's done. Can you kind of elaborate on the importance of this? And is it, is it the same with all these stories or some stories, you know, studio wise, you can't let other people read and things like that. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I think I, it's interesting. I think when you're starting out or when you're writing something, like happy anniversary on your own. Uh, I think that's when, for me, at least I tend to, to weigh, use other people's opinions more heavily because you're writing in a vacuum and I have a core group of friends and family who I trust and, and, and it depends on the project too. There's different people. There's someone who I, oh, this is a, just a silly comedy and I want to know if this is funny and I, and this person might give me a great joke. There's other people that I, that I think will, tell me if the characters feel real. You know, my girlfriend of 10 years, I always, uh, I think she's harder on stuff than I am and in a good way. And so I want her to read everything and just be brutally honest and hard on it, particularly on the characters, particularly on the female characters, uh, to push me. Um, you know, I was just working on a kind of silly sitcom recently and I was, and, and she was pushing me that, that some dialogue didn't sound real, even though it was a joke and it was funny. And she was like, it doesn't matter. Even in a multi-cam sitcom, it has, don't sacrifice the joke for it to sound real. And it was good advice. Um, so, and then you're right. Once you get into studio stuff, it's almost like there's so many, you're getting so many notes from director, from maybe the actors, uh, maybe the actors improvising, maybe there's storyboard artists on an animated film or animators they're adding to it. It's almost like there's so many voices that uh, I think at that point I tend to, to, um, to go to other people less. But even still, sometimes that can be helpful. Uh, you're right. You're probably not supposed to for the studio, so um, don't tell them that I told you. But I think sometimes I still, I still share stuff all the time. 
So let's talk about your new film, uh, the Netflix film, Happy Anniversary. It seems like a very personal story. How did you first get involved with this project? You know, there was, a, I, was, I was working on a movie. I was on the set of the movie that I was a writer on, and it was a broad comedy, but there was one scene that was like a very romantic comedy scene, a dinner date, and it was my favorite scene that I wrote in the movie. It was my favorite scene in the movie when it came out, and, um, and I was talking to one of the producers of that movie, and, and, and it was basically like, I should try to write, and, and, and he pushed me, he said, you know, that's what you should do. And I was like, you're right. I should try to just write a romantic comedy. I, this feels comfortable to me. I love romantic comedies. They're some of my favorite films. Uh, and I hadn't tried writing just a pure romantic comedy. I also, at the time, had written a number of studio films, uh, and, and I wanted to take the, step, the leap to direct my own stuff to be able to see it through to sort of feel like I told the full story myself and was in control of it and told the story the way that I wanted to, even though I had perfectly great experiences beforehand, I still just wanted to to be able to be the person seeing it through. And so um, I decided kind of based on both of those impetuses uh, to write this script, to try to write something relatively small in scope that I felt like I could get financing to direct as a first-time director and also to write a pure romantic comedy. Um, and then, unfortunately, I had to sit down and write it. <laughs> and, uh, and it was really hard. And, um, and because there have been so many romantic comedies, particularly, and I wanted to use my own life and say what I had to say about love and relationships. But a lot of people who are like me have already done that. Um, and so I had to really push and hopefully didn't screw up too badly to try to tell a slightly different story and one that felt real to me, but also maybe you hadn't seen exactly this story before. How did you kind of start out? Did you come out with the general idea that, you know, you know what the pitch would be, maybe things are not working out for this couple, or did you kind of just start writing down those little stories from either your personal stories or story you've heard and kind of piece it together that way? Um, yeah, I think, I think I, I started from... A, a real life thing that was going on where it was uh, two people in a, in a relationship that are sort of overanalyzing everything throughout. And, and, uh, and, and it's not about the meet cute. It's not about two people who uh, they meet and are they going to get together? I wanted to do a story about two people who are together and are debating if they should stay together. That was what I hoped was, uh, going to be something a little bit fresh and, uh, and was, was, at the time going on in my, in my life. It's kind of funny because the movie is coming out now and I've got a completely different set of problems in my real life than those. So they feel, even though it's like semi-autobiographical and it feels like I'm being exposed, it's sort of weird because it doesn't feel like I'm being exposed. It feels like me from six years ago is being exposed by this story. And I've moved so much past that to complete, a completely different set of uh, ridiculous relationship problems. So you got to, this is your directorial debut, I believe. How did you kind of get in that position? Was there any surprise that you didn't expect as far as being the director as well? Yeah, this is my directorial debut. Um, uh, yeah, there's surprises that I didn't expect. You know what's interesting? And this, is, this goes to screenwriting. Uh, my original draft was 100 pages. And um, because of the limitations of our budget and our schedule, uh, our line producer suggested that I cut it down to 90 pages so that it'd be more manageable. And I did, and I liked it. I actually thought that the, the draft, the, the draft was tighter and, and, um, and, and I thought it was great. So that was, a, and then when we were done shooting, I thought, okay, it's 90 pages, the, you know, and the, and the first, 
editor's cut is always long. You know, I've been to see friends, you know, editors rough cuts and they're, you know, three hours long and ours was short. It was, you know, around the length of the movie, around 80 minutes, um, which was short. And I was sort of shocked. And it turns out that the whole one page equals a minute or whatever is not always the case, especially if you have rat hat banter and people talk quickly. <laughs> um, uh, so that was a surprise. Um, and in general, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, yeah, you know, there's no one to blame. You're, you're, you know, when you're a screenwriter, there's always someone else to blame. And when you're a writer director, there is no one else to blame. Did you do anything? Did you go back and film another scene or do anything to make it a little bit longer? Um, you know, I, at first, when that happened, my instinct was, oh, it's going to look short. I have to make it long. And because it'll just, it'll feel slight. And people say it only this long. And by the way, I've seen some things that, that do say that. But I ultimately just said, no, you have to tell the best story. And if it ends up, if, if you end up cutting things because it, tells, it makes it a better story and it's 72 minutes versus adding things to make it 85 minutes so it looks longer, uh, I just said, fuck it. No, I'm. I'm not going to do stuff to make something an artificial number. I'm just going to try to make the movie the length that it's meant to be and tell the best story. So that's, that's where I landed with that. I also went and looked, I was curious uh, when I was panicking and a ton of movies that I love are, are actually surprisingly short. I thought, Oh, all movies are around at minimum 90 minutes, but there was a list somewhere, like I think on Vulture or something. And it listed like the best movies under 90 or under 80 minutes even and movies that I love like one of the I think the original before sunrise um I'm trying to remember some of the others but a bunch of movies are are short and I had no idea um so yeah I decided not to that was a surprise but I decided not to let that dictate what the story was I noticed like the uh the happy foot sad foot sign that's in LA was there anything else that was like LA based that you wanted to put in the story or or kind of give your take on the city in terms of being a writer and director on the project? Um, that's interesting. Uh, I think I actually went the opposite. You know, I produced a movie that my girlfriend, Michelle Morgan wrote, directed, and starred in called it happened in LA. It was at Sundance last year. Uh, it's on Hulu now, if you want to watch it, it's great. And, uh, and much better than my movie. And she, uh, that movie was really about, LA and the stuff that you're talking about. And I did sneak in that happy foot sad foot because I just, it's my favorite sign in the world. And I thought there was something fun about happy versus sad and, and the, the thematically for our movie. Uh, but other than that, I decided to just kind of, sh I just wanted it to feel like, uh, you know, it could be anywhere that said, I, I tried to make it look as beautiful as it could. Uh, but I also didn't really lean into the LA-ness of it uh, intentionally. You've got some other projects, several other projects listed online, uh, especially like Green Eggs and Ham coming out for Netflix. Can you share any details about this or any other projects you're working on? Sure. Uh, Green Eggs and Ham is an animated um, half-hour show for Netflix uh, that um, we're in production on now. And um, it's uh, it's been a very long uh, production process because it's an animated uh, it's an animated thing and it's it's sort of a hybrid between an animated tv show and an animated feature the quality of animation that we're going for is closer to feature animation and it's hand-drawn animation uh which is hopefully beautiful uh and takes a very long time to draw each frame so um uh so we're, we're pretty far in we've been working on it for two and a half years now and uh we got a little while 
left to go. It's been an amazing experience. It was actually a really good warm up to directing uh, Happy Anniversary because I directed the actors, um, many of their uh, voice performances. So it was a good way to warm up uh, for that. And I don't think there's really that much difference between the two. Uh, it's, you're still directing a performance, whether it's just voice or with movement. So you, we've covered a lot in this interview, but I, I know that you've spoken in some events in the past, like the Nashville Screenwriters Conference. Are there one or two tips or key points for screenwriters you might have we haven't already covered, or are there any common mistakes you see in the industry? I have a weird thing that I do that I don't think will work for everyone, but I always suggest it in case it does. And when I'm writing, or even if I'm not in a script and I'm outlining, or even if you're directing, um, I do a sort of visualization thing when I wake up in the morning. I find, especially with writing, that it's way better than when I go downstairs to my office being having a blank page in front of me uh, if I've already thought about it. So what I do is right when I wake up in that sort of weird, hazy, you're awake, but you haven't gotten out of bed yet thing, state, uh, I keep my eyes shut and I think to myself, oh yeah, what do I have today? What am I writing? What is the scene? What am I outlining? And so let's say it's a, it's a scene and I know I'm writing that scene today. I just start playing the scene in my head, even though I haven't written it yet. I kind of know what it's about vaguely. I know what the characters or whatever from the outline or something. And, uh, and so I play it out and then it, it plays through and then I go back to the beginning and I play it again. And maybe I change something this time. I'm sort of improvising in my head and I'm watching it and I'm getting lost in it. And after, I don't know, several times of replaying the scene in my head, I kind of, maybe I, I come up with some stuff that I actually don't think is too terrible. And I'm like, I kind of like that. And that was fun. I don't know. It's hard to tell when, but I, I get to a place where I kind of like some stuff. And then I open my eyes and I grab my phone and I quickly type it in the notes thing. And that way, when I start, I have something to work off of. Now, many times I've been like, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> you, were you still asleep? This is terrible. But more often than not, uh, it actually is great. There's at least a nugget or a kernel of something good in there. It gives me some jumping off point or some structure or some shape to something. And it just makes it so much better for me when I actually get to sit down and write. And I would try to do the same thing. Even when I was directing, I'd, I'd think, okay, what am I shooting today? What are the scenes? Let me play them out in my head and think about how, uh, how I saw them. That being said, you can never fully prepare. But one of the, that was another thing about directing a movie is that, you know, you see that I mean, as a screenwriter, you see the movie on, in your head on the page and you're so sure of how it's going to be. And then when you direct it, you know, you think, oh, if you, well, many people might think as a writer, like, finally, I can force it to be the thing in my head. And you can't force it to be the thing in your head. And some of the best things in the movie are things that are completely different than how I saw it in my head. And you have to be open to that and really enjoy it. And not just improv, but just the way things play out. You might have had a line one way in your head and the actor takes it in a different way, and it's so much more real and better or different. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter, where you also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. 
Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.